So hopefully this mic is working. It sounds like it. And uh, it's good to be here. I've asked for a little help from the back for a few scriptures that will be uh, on the overhead. But otherwise, uh, you can open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. And uh, keep your Bibles open there because we will look at a few other texts in Colossians. But the other texts that I'm using, uh, I've asked them in the back that when I uh, ask them to, they'll put it up on the screen. So uh, just to save a little time in uh, paging through our Bibles. And uh, so we have before us uh, Colossians chapter 2, the first five verses. And uh, if you're visiting today, we're going through the whole book of Colossians. And so um, some of the elders, and uh, we had Pastor Andre from Living Word uh, also uh, in the pulpit a couple times, are uh, endeavoring to bring this whole book to uh, the church. And so this is in a series. I'll read uh, starting in chapter 2. Uh, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the fullness of understanding, of the full assurance of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. And so um, I first wanted to bring out just, uh, you know, sometimes it's good to think about the state of, of the church in, in, uh, in our culture and around the world and then also the state of our church here. And Paul's concern was for false teachers. And we read that in verse 4, as you can see in your Bibles, it says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. And the problem uh, with false teachers is there's, there's usually a mixture of error and truth, and so it's not always easy to you know, immediately pick that out and decipher that. And I think the danger is if you mix in just a little bit of error, that over time uh, the slide is downhill and more and more error will come in. And so that's Paul's concern. And... Uh, I think the, the beauty of Paul um, as a leader, uh, you know, listen to his language, uh, how great a struggle he had, okay, for the church. And um, I think uh, to me, you know, I think of pastors um, that they have this struggle. And sometimes, you know, in my pride, I might say, ah, don't struggle for me. I'll be all right. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is we all need a pastor who will, who will, uh, uh, guide us and shepherd us and so it is right for them to have a struggle and and I think that it's okay for us to say you know we need we need help sometimes and so I think it's good for us to to not be so uh, uh, think prideful I guess to say that no I never need help you know or don't pray for me but I would say if the pastor is praying for me I'm thankful and even if he struggles it's it's his job to struggle and, and that also makes me think about us as fellow church members, right? Because we kind of live in a culture where it's, uh, we go, we can kind of, we can easily go from one church to the, you know, the other. Back in the horse and buggy days, why you, 
You maybe you had to go to the local church because the next one was 50 miles away or who knows, it was too far. But so I think this mentality of, of coming to church, not just for me and, and for what I think I need, but, but loving and struggling for our brothers and sisters. I think when we know if somebody's hurting, and I think we do a great job of that at this church, but it's always encouraging us to do more. And so um, I... Um, wrote down here, what is the most important quality a minister can possess? Intelligence, education, leadership ability, boldness, holiness, or speaking ability. Although those uh, are essential components, perhaps the most necessary ingredient in the life of any minister of Jesus Christ is love for the church. And we remember um, that Jesus indeed loved the church and died for the church. And you can follow along in your bulletins if you want. I just put an outline there, and there's room for notes, so you can kind of help see where I'm going. So yeah, I titled this message, Paul's Love for the Church. And, but one of the key parts to this passage, to this text, that I want to use this phrase uh, multiple times in this message so that it really drills this home, and you walk home thinking about this. And, and you'll see it in our text in about the middle there. In Christ Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, okay? So just have that in your head because that is so important in our day and age when you start thinking about false teaching because people start looking for something else, okay? Somebody wrote a book. They had some experiences, and, and it's something new. And I'm not saying that, that that is not something that can be beneficial, but I'm saying that it's in Christ Jesus that are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It says it right in the word here. And so when I say in Christ Jesus, I was thinking about, you know, some of us have a, a Bible that the red letter so that Jesus' words are, are in red, okay? And that's okay. But really, all of, all of God's words is Jesus' word, okay? It's not, it's, it's from God. So don't ever think that, well, we just look for the red stuff and the rest we don't need. And so, but, but, but this is where the treasure is. And I think Pastor uh, helps us with this. And I think you just can't repeat this enough because the danger is with false teaching, we start looking for the treasure somewhere else. Something that's a little shiny or new and, and not digging in God's word. And the beauty of studying scripture is, wow, there's so much treasure in, this, in these five verses, I can tell you. And, and uh, so I just wanted to make that an important point. So Paul's goals for the church, and, and we see here he has in verse 2 a number of things, and I'm trying to uh, break out each one, each phrase kind of, in verse 2 to, to understand what he means there. And the beauty of having some uh, time and reading it over and over and with commentaries, it's helpful to understand it better. So the first phrase is that their hearts may be encouraged. And so I want to look at just hearts, the word hearts, and also the word encouraged. So the word heart usually refers broadly to the inner person, the center of life. The mind and emotions are both in view. When the mind is filled with biblical truth, the emotions respond properly. And as Andre said last, uh, yes, last week when he preached here, 
that our hearts are like a compass leading us. And I thought that was a beautiful way to put it. But, but the, the thing that about that that can be scary is it, also, it might lead us the wrong way. And so we have to be on our guard when our hearts are leading us that it doesn't lead us astray. And in Proverbs 23, 19, it says, to direct your heart in the way. And so believers are to guide their hearts that they may follow the path of pleasing God. And so pastor sometimes uses this phrase, uh, preach to yourself the truth of God's word. Okay? So today you're here to hear preaching, but when you're by yourself and your devotions, just keep reminding yourself of God's truth. And, and, and that's all God's word, remember, God's truth. And so that's how we direct ourselves in the right way. And, and for an example, um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite impatient sometimes, and my wife will verify this. And uh, so sometimes for the evening meal, I want that, you know, I don't know why if I fit, you know, you could see I'm not starving, but, <laughs> but uh, I, I just got to have that right now. And I think uh, just so it's impatience. And so when I read God's word, and God's word says, be patient, okay, over and over. So I'm, I'm telling, my, preaching to myself, be patient, be patient, okay? And, and I should have this down by now, but I don't. And so I'm just sharing with you with one area, one truth that I preach to myself that I need, I need to apply it more. And so that's just an example of, in general, when we preach to ourselves, so we, then we direct our heart in the right way. And uh, the next word I want to talk about is encouraged, right? He said, that their hearts may be encouraged. So Paul's, these are goals for his church to help his church, right? And so these are goals for our church, too, to help us. So a good word um, that would help us to see encouraged in the Hebrew, they, they would say that translating it to strengthen is also a good way to look at the word uh, encouraged. And um, see, because the Colossians were uh, beset by false teachers, they needed strengthening. And the word was used in Paul's time uh, of a military leader taking uh, his men or talking to his men to strengthen their morale and willingness. And I thought of a good example of this. I, I sometimes watch uh, war stories by Oliver North, if you've ever seen that on Fox. And, and uh, they had a clip of General Patton talking to his troops. And these troops, you know, they were in the battlefield and they had been in the battle and they looked pretty rugged. And, and I thought, well, it's kind of neat that it's Memorial Day weekend, right? But, but here was the leader, General Patton, who was uh, an awesome leader, uh, as I understand from his reputation. But he was strengthening his troops by encouraging them. And, and those troops were just soaking it in. And, and afterwards, they were ready to do battle again. And I think that's what Paul is kind of wanting us, uh, as we're uh, strengthened, to be ready uh, to do battle, in a sense. And so the next phrase we have is being knit together in love and uh, united in love. And boy, did I learn you know, a lot uh, in this just this phrase here as I studied this. Um, fervent love is the necessary balance to a strong mind. You see, if it's all intellectual, and, and we, we, we definitely stand solid on the truth, but we, we, we definitely want to do that in love. Christianity is not mindless enthusiasm, but neither is it lifeless intellectual orthodoxy. And this uh, passage stresses Paul's concern that love is to be the foundation of church life. 
And, and I just, it struck me when I was studying this, when I use the word Paul, just think of God. Okay, this is God speaking to us, right? Because sometimes I think if, if you walk away thinking, well, Paul, you know, said this and this and that. Yeah, that's true. But really God spoke to us today. And so always remember when you hear Paul, it's really God speaking. Because we know that scripture is uh, inspired by God and it's uh, breathed out by God. So that's an important uh, rem- remembrance. But um, I wanted to, I used uh, Colossians or uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, and I think we have it on the overhead, just the first three verses. We used it already in the, in the call to worship. But uh, I want to read that again because uh, it just is a reminder uh, the importance of love. And so it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So believers share a common life with love as its basis. And if you think about this, um, it... You know, sometimes uh, when there's false teaching, you know, or, or there's trouble, that can kind of be a rallying cry, right? And even some political leaders like to use trouble as a rallying cry. But, but in the church, it's love. That's really, Paul wanted love to be the foundation and not uh, that, that, that there was false teaching. The term knit together means to be united or joined inseparably. And so I think there again, uh, we were talking earlier about it's easy to go to another church, but I think I want us to think of we're united together inseparably as a church. And I know sometimes God calls and leads people other places, and that's, you know, that's great. But I think sometimes the danger is to be too, too pastor-centered, and so if we have a pastor who can preach, you know, then we say, that's my church, but... If another pastor, maybe he's stronger in visiting or other areas, but then suddenly maybe we go to another church. And so I think I just encourage for those of us who call this our home church to just be knit together in the sense that, uh, and I I thought an example of this is sometimes, uh, you know, I hear after the Super Bowl, you know, Philadelphia won, and they say uh, sometimes, uh, you know, we played for our brothers, right, for the love of my brothers, and Man, that resonates. But I was thinking in the church, uh, you know, we're here for each other. And, and how much more than even on a football team, right? We're here for each other. So I think that's important to, to uh, just keep that in mind, uh, that when we come to church, uh, let's look to, uh, to help, help each other. And, and by God's grace, I need help sometimes, so you'll have to help me, right? And I'll, I'll be, by God's grace, helping you. And so the key, um, the, the, the key to practical unity is found in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. And I, I think, you know, often this unity is discussed about churches because there seems to be trouble in churches, and I don't, uh, I, I'm, I've seen it, and so I know that we have problems with unity. But this text really helps in this area, and I want to talk about this uh, subject of unity for a while, and so... Let's read this together. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling 
to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So look at those words with me. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. And, I, and as I was studying this, I think, but what if there's false teaching? What are we going to do? Are we going to fight? Right? We want to stand on the truth. Yeah, yeah, you stand on the truth, but you've got to carry yourself in a very careful way with humility and with gentleness and with patience. And so even in the situation where there's false teaching, it, it, it's important how we uh, carry ourselves and in order to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And I wrote down here, um, peacemakers uh, love each other. Um, and uh, before I get to that, I also had in here, so be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Preserving the unity of the spirit has created, or um, has created, the what the spirit has created is accomplished by being peacemakers. So peacemakers love each other. And then uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you haven't opened to Colossians yet, just a page over Colossians 3, uh, verses 12 and 13, and I'll read that. <clears throat> and this is, again, more on uh, this subject of unity. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And so um, this, um, this text I felt was also uh, important in uh, talking about putting on the heart of compassion, uh, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and, and forgiving each other. The kind of humble, practical love is the perfect bond of unity. And this is, this is one thing I put a star by it because I, I was blown away by this. As I, and I've been, like I've said, about a month kind of looking at this, but, but this has never struck me uh, before until I, I read this while studying this, that love, this was MacArthur's uh, quote, but love is always linked with humility because only humble people can love. Humility is the key that opens the door of love and unity. And I was thinking, wow, that, that blew me away to think about that. So I started trying to decipher, could a person really be proud and, and love? You know what I mean? You start trying to think of the, but no, I, I come to conclude that, yeah, we have to be humble. And that's, that's an important part of love, that we, if we really want to love and have unity, we need to be humble. And so the, the last section, see, we're only in verse 1. Isn't it amazing how much treasure we're finding in God's Word? And we're not even ver through verse uh, 2 here. But he says, uh, to be settled in understanding, or that's how I titled it in the bulletin, but he writes here, um, let me go back and look at the exact words here. Um, so he writes, to, uh, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. Okay? And uh, so Paul's desire that the Colossians also experience all the riches that comes from the full assurance 
Without that assurance, believers cannot enjoy all the blessings that are theirs in Christ. For example, no one can look forward with hope to the blessing of heaven who doubts whether he is going to get there. And um, in 2 Peter, which he's going to pull up on for us, but it's just this first verse I would share first. It says, this is 2 Peter 1.10, says, Be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Okay, and when I was struck by that, and, and I don't want anybody to leave here thinking, boy, i got to work harder, do more do good works or whatever in order to uh, make sure I'm saved or to earn my way to heaven, okay? Because that's not what we're talking about, but we're talking about what it, uh, assurance of understanding, okay? And so um, uh, this, this text really helps bring this out. So when he says, be all the more diligent to, m- to make certain about your calling and choosing you, so the, the natural question is, how do we do this? And, and I'd like to read that text, and, and it, it'll explain it to us. And so he says, um, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And sometimes virtue is not a word that we're too familiar with, so one of the versions that I had said moral excellence. Okay, So I'll use that in place of virtue here. So for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we see uh, the importance of of our part in this assurance. And this is where, as I studied this idea of of not just understanding a text or God's truth, but putting it into practice. That's how I look at what what we read there. It's important, and that's how we gain assurance, is by putting it into practice. If we... If it's just intellectual knowledge, and, you know, there's professors in, in schools that they know more than I do. They teach this book, but they don't, they, they're not saved because it's not in the heart, you see. And so I think this is a call for us to just to be on our guard that it's not just intellectual. But, and, and I love Jesse when he does worship. Often he says, you know, are your hearts engaged? And, and sometimes we think of the hearts as the emotion, and I think there's emotion involved at times, but it's more than that. It's, it's, I think it's, uh, uh, as Andre said last week, we're not brains on a stick. I thought, wow, I'd never heard that before, right? But, but I thought, man, that really hit me hard. I thought, yeah, we're not brains on a stick. God gave us a drive and a desire. That, I think, is part of the heart, and, and, so, and, and it includes our emotions, and so... This is uh, important that it's not just intellectual. And so I got to find my 
place back in my notes here. Um, so understand, understanding refers to applying biblical principles to everyday life. It is the exclusive property of Christians, and you can pull that text up. Um, and this is uh, because sometimes we think about, like if it was just intellectual, um, we could convince somebody else to become a Christian, right? We could, if we had all the right answers. But this scripture tells us, it says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to them, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so that's important to remember that if we are discerning God's truth and applying it, we need to praise God for that. That means that he's opened your eyes and he's opened your heart to receive the gospel. And uh, I wrote down here, when the believer experiences uh, spiritual truth by living it, it becomes truly understood and leads to assurance of his or her salvation. The New Testament then concludes that knowing the truth and acting on it leads to full assurance of understanding. The primary problem is not the lack of knowledge, but a failure to apply the truths they know. Truth that finds a solid footing in a strong heart and works itself out in love of fellow believers results in deep conviction. That is the basis for assurance. And so now to the last uh, section, we're still in verse 2. The last section says here, uh, so I'll just reread, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Remember the phrase that I talked about, in Christ Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We still need to get to that uh, important part. And so I wrote down uh, this section, and the knowledge of God's uh, mystery, which is in Christ. Um, and that's included in our text. I didn't read that earlier. Um, yeah, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Because of false teaching in Paul's time and ours, we must remember that in Christ Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then, you know, sometimes this word mystery, we have to, we hear quite often it's talking about mystery. And in the Old Testament, Jesus had not yet come in the flesh, right? So it was a mystery in a sense. But today, we don't have that mystery because we know it's about Jesus, right? We've seen him uh, walk on this earth. And so that's, when you, when you hear the word mystery, I think that's a part of, uh, of understanding that. But then it still says that the treasures are hidden in Christ Jesus. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, we, we, there's, the more you dig, the more treasure you find. And, and the more you study, the more uh, it gleams and shines. It's like uh, diamonds. I read about Spurgeon once that he, he talked about just hammering and hammering Scripture till it just explodes in like uh, thousands of diamonds. And you see all the different facets to it. And I think that's, that's kind of an, a description of, of the treasure, and that's sometimes why it's said to be hidden. And uh, <clears throat> continuing on, um, 
So at the heart of understanding, we need to have a settled conviction about Christ's deity and sufficiency. And this is where, this is uh, the gospel message at its core. Um, and this is, I would say, not so hidden because we have a cross right here. And so, but the gospel message at its core is, is one of the, I'd say, the greatest truths for us because uh, we were uh, on our way to hell and, our hell and hell was certainty for us except for Jesus Christ. Uh, opening our eyes and helping us understand. And so, um, but with that, we need to understand uh, Christ's deity and sufficiency. So when we talk about his deity, we're talking about him being uh, fully God. And we know he was fully human as well. He walked on this earth. And I think sometimes people uh, from the world in general would say, yeah, they knew that Jesus is you know, in, in our history and he walked on this earth but they wouldn't recognize that he was fully God. And this is an, a critical part for a believer to uh, know. So no person can be a Christian without this true knowledge of Jesus as the incarnate God. Incarnate is a word that is used for uh, God um, coming down and being flesh. So he's fully God and fully human. Yet so many Christians who affirm the deity of Christ live as if they as if he were not the one in whom all spiritual sufficiency resides. And I was just thinking about this, and I was telling somebody the other day, I remember when Promise Keepers was popular, and maybe some of you went there, and, and I have nothing bad to say about Promise Keepers, but I never did go to one of their big things. You know, they had these big celebrations, and, and I heard they were great. But I, I remember during that time, you know, feeling um, like uh, like kind of left out or like I was missing something, and and uh, but 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 you see, in Christ Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and so so I'm I'm not saying any bad about promise keepers, but I'm saying it's in the Word, and and I I say to myself, you know, I, by God's grace, I am a promise keeper. I I'm agreeing with those people, you know. And, but yet, I don't need to look outside of, of God's word and God's treasure for something that I'm missing. And I would say that's true of books. You know, people write good books. But we don't need to, to say, I, w I would say, if this is the only book you had and you studied this book from cover to cover, you have all you need. That's the point I'm making. And it's not that there isn't some benefit in other, other stuff, but... This is really where we primarily need to look uh, for our spiritual walk, the sufficiency we need to, to be all we can be in Christ Jesus. And uh, so I've just, in closing, I would uh, um, say, make a few comments, and then uh, I'm not quite at the end of our text, but we're close, and then I have some response uh, questions. But uh, I wrote down here, all we need is Jesus. He has the power and authority to save us. An important reminder is that is, is I can't save you and you can't save me. And the best person on, on this earth, uh, Mother Teresa or whoever you want to name, they can't save you. And so Jesus has the power and the authority to save us. He can sustain our walk with him. And, and that's another important part of, uh, 
just reminding ourselves we need to look to him because he will sustain us. But he primarily, I believe, does that through his word and, through the, and with the Holy Spirit and, and through the avenue of prayer. And so the last point uh, is standing strong. And we already read uh, verse 4 and talked briefly that Paul's concern, I'll read it anyways, it says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible argument. So Paul's concern about that. And then, but then he goes on and he says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. And so these are kind of neat. These are military terms too. It said right in the commentary. So it's not, I'm not making this up uh, for Memorial Day, but I thought, you know, these terms of, uh, that we have in here that are uh, uh, your good order. Um, see, I wrote down good order is like good discipline, okay? And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, really God speaking as we talked about, is saying um, to us that to have good discipline. And, and he sees this in the church and so he's commending the church. And I think that I would say even for our church, I see these qualities in our church. So I would commend us as a, as a church too but I think this is uh, something we need to continue to, you know, to be on our guard for false teaching. The other word that he used was firmness, and this would be like stability. And I think of, you know, the military people when they salute. You know, sometimes I watch uh, that on uh, PBS they have uh, the memorial service in in uh, Washington, and it's it's quite moving to see people who are in wheelchairs without legs. You know what I mean? But when those people salute, man, it's like crisp, you know, and uh, everything's, you know, looking. But I thought, yeah, that's kind of a, a, a good uh, thought to have for the church, that we need to have good discipline and stability. And, and, and that's all in our faith in Jesus Christ. And so in the response, I have written some questions. And I never, I never uh, assume that everyone is a believer here, so I always am careful to ask, have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? And um, I, I love that when we do baptisms, uh, that pastor asks, uh, is Jesus your only hope for this life and the next? That's a beautiful way to put that, isn't it? That, that it has to be in Jesus, right? And we just talked about that, that the power and sufficiency of, of, of Jesus. And... I love this verse in 1 John 1, 9. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I would say confession is a huge step, but just as important is we need to turn from our sins and follow what God says the standard is. And I think that's just as important. So, if you confess your sins and you turn from your sins and you follow Jesus, and by that I mean following his word, uh, then um, you can have assurance, right? But, but more than that, applying God's truth, okay? As you hear God's truth and as God, it says in scripture that the, the word is like a sword, so if it cuts you a little bit, then you need to go home and try to apply that truth. And as you do over your lifetime, you'll gain uh, more confidence and assurance in uh, your future with the Lord. So as a church now, 
uh, for those who are believers, I wrote down some points. So be an example of being all in for Jesus. I think Paul was this amazing example. And I'm not saying everybody can be Paul. Okay, um, I have a job, you know, a regular job. I'm not a pastor. And so I try to be all in with my 40-hour-a-week job or 50 hours or whatever it is. But I try to be all in. And, and what I've found in my life is there's different stages of life. And so sometimes uh, for like mothers with small children, man, I'm amazed at the job that is, how hard that is. And so maybe at this stage of your life, that's your focus of your ministry and you, and praise God for what you do there. But, but as God gives you time and opportunity, I think of uh, serving the Lord as kind of like we talk about giving. Um, and so uh, give just a portion of your time. And, and be faithful with that, and, and also be a cheerful giver. I think that's important. And then I wrote down, um, take the time to speak the truth of God's Word into the lives of others. And I think that's, that's huge, but um, I would say, boy, we have to be uh, so careful to do that in a loving way. Remember we talked about humility, gentleness, patience, right? Um, it's probably less dangerous to speak truth to ourselves. When we start speaking to somebody else, boy, you better be careful. Because I think that, and I, we learned this in the men's study, that, um, and this I thought was just mind-blowing, that, you know, if, if you're a person who confesses your own sin, you'll go to that person a lot more gently. If you think about that. If you, if you rarely confess your own sin, yeah, you could speak the truth to Paul right here. Paul Bauer's visiting here today. I could just lay it on the line for Paul. But, but if I confess my own sin, that humbles me. And I realize, yeah, I'm still working on my own sin. And so I, you know, when, you, when you go to other people, speak the truth. Just, just take some time maybe to confess your own sin before the Lord. And I think you'll be in the right frame of mind to, to bring the truth to somebody else. And then I wrote down, be committed for the long term to love your brothers and sisters in this church. I've already spoken about that, so I'll just say, uh, uh, I won't say a lot about that. And then I wrote, uh, remember, love is always linked with humility because only humble people can love. And so uh, I'd like to close in prayer now. <clears throat> Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, help us to remember that the greatest treasure is you and in your word. Help us as a church to be united together in love. Lord, help us to apply truth from your word by living it out in our lives. Jesus, we believe you are the Messiah, fully God and fully man. We trust in you to save us, and everything we need is found in you and your word. Help us to engage our hearts as we sing this last song to you, in Jesus' name, amen.